Chapter 18 Hacks The dust beast carried me up and up. I could feel gravity tugging at me. I could feel momentum as we moved faster and faster. I could see nothing. I could only hear a swirling sound. We began to slow down. Slower. Slower. Stop. The dust beast hovered. How high up were we? Where were we? Then, a gap opened in the howling wall of dust that enveloped me. I saw the earth below, but not from orbit. We were still in atmosphere. That surprised me. What I saw next did not. It was not a large ship by most standards. It was far smaller than an Andalite dome ship. Far smaller than the Yurk mothership. It was all black, with two wings like a battle axe, and a long, sharp, diamond-shaped battle bridge mounted at the front. I knew the ship. It was the blade ship, the private command ship of Visser III. It had dropped its stealth cloak for just a few moments. Silently, a hole appeared in the top of the battle bridge. The dust beast swirled through. Suddenly, I was falling. Slam! I hit a hard surface. My hooves scrabbled to stand up, but I was down on my side. The dust beast had dropped me on a polished metallic floor. I stood up. The dust beast hovered above me. And all around me, on all sides, stood Hork-Bajir warriors, each with a dracon beam leveled and ready to fire. There must have been ten of them. Two or three would have been plenty. Once, the Hork-Bajir were a decent, peaceful race. Then, they were enslaved by the Yurks. Hork-Bajir are incredibly dangerous and very powerful. They stand on two legs, balanced by a tail. Each leg ends in a foot like an earth bird of prey. They have two arms. There are curved blades at their knees, at their elbows, at their wrists. Blades similar to my own tail blade. Atop their snake-like heads are two more blades swept forward, and their tails end in long, sharp spikes. They are not a species you want to start a fight with, which may be why they were such a peaceful, even poetic species. They had no one to fear, until the Yurks began to make them into controllers. Now there are no longer any free Hork-Bajir. All are slaves of the Yurks. All are controllers, with a living Yurk inside their brains. Two or three would have been more than enough to deal with me. Having ten there was a compliment. Well, well, a voice said in my head. So, we have our first captive. It was him, as I had known it would be. Visser III, third most powerful of all the Yurk warlords, the leader of the Yurk invasion of Earth. An abomination! Visser III is unique in all the galaxy, the one and only Andalite controller. He alone, of all Yurks, has managed to take and enslave an Andalite body. The sight of him filled me with loathing. My brother's killer. The creature I knew I had to destroy. If I didn't, I would never have the honor of being a true warrior. I had faced him before, but always with my human friends beside me. To have attacked the Visser then would have meant risking them. But now I didn't have that excuse. Visser 3 was before me. 
my brother's killer. Mr. Three focused his main eyes on me. His stock eyes watched the dust beast as it hovered uneasily above our heads. I am ashamed to confess it, but I felt terror in his presence. Evil radiated from him, and power, a great and frightening power. You are not even full grown, Andalite, Visser Three sneered. My Velik brings me a child? Velik? I said. Yes, I named it myself. In the Yurk language, it means pet. It's a rare life form from right here in this solar system. The big gas giant, the one with the very prominent rings. Saturn, that's what the humans called it. But I said nothing to the Visser. Answering might have revealed that I was in contact with humans. Visser Three considered me. So, you are an Andalite after all. Some of my advisors have been suggesting you terrorists were humans, not Andalite. But here we have a prime Andalite specimen. The Yurks believed the Anamorphs were a group of Andalites who had survived the battle in orbit and made it to Earth. It was important for them to go on believing it. Yurk filth! I cried suddenly. My uncles will destroy you! Visser Three laughed. You and your uncles have caused me some annoyance, it is true. You destroyed the truck ship you used to gather oxygen and water. That was very unfortunate. And you destroyed our ground-based Gendronald. That was even more unfortunate. He stepped closer, showing me his complete confidence, showing me that he did not fear me. For that, I will give you a very, very long, very slow death, Andalite. I wanted to strike at him. My brother, Prince Alfangor. He would have had the courage. But I did not. The hork would have disintegrated me before I could twitch my tail. And the awful force of the Yurk Visser's power held me mesmerized. Yes, you led me on a merry chase, you Andalite bandits, Visser Three said. But my Velik will capture you one by one and bring you to me. If I lacked the courage to attack and die, I could at least try to learn more. If I lived, if I escaped somehow, by some miracle... How do you make a controller out of something made of dust? Where do you place your filthy slug body? Oh, the Velik is not one of us, Visser Three said. He is not a controller. He's not really he. There is no intelligence there, or at least not much. Fascinating life form, really. Unlike anything we've ever found before, it spreads through the atmosphere as dust. Each particle can sense a life form's energy, any life form. When one particle senses prey, the millions of particles come together to attack the life form and chew it to shreds. The energy of each shredded bit is then absorbed by the particles themselves. Visser Three laughed again, soundless but vile in my mind. We lost a lot of soldiers before we figured this creature out. Oh yes, it was chewing up Port Bajir and Taxons at a startling rate. But then we realized something. It could be altered. We could use the thing. I could program it to serve me. I nodded, understanding the truth. You changed it to detect only the energy of morphing. Very good. But you Andalites have always been clever when it comes to science. Yes, 
Now it detects only the specific type of energy released during morphing. But it cannot feed on that energy. Oh no no. I didn't want to shred you, Andalites. I didn't want to eat you. I wanted to have you here, with me. So I programmed my Velik to only eat the energy we feed it from the engines of the ship. Clever, isn't it? The Velik senses morphing, attacks, but brings the morpher to me in order to get its true food. Only a Yurk would think it is clever to force mutation on another life form. I said, as contemptuously as I could, Should I strike? Could I strike? Was I fast enough? Visser Three nodded. Yes, yes, we lowly Yurks know how superior you Andalites are. Holier than thou. The meddling moralists of the galaxy. The glorious self-righteous Andalite princes saving the galaxy from the despised Yurks. Well, here you are, Andalite child. And soon the rest of your group of bandits will be here as well. How many of you are there, altogether? I'll tell you nothing, I said. It doesn't matter, Visser Three said with cold disdain. The Velik will never tire. I'll send it back and it will go hunting. Your friends will be clever. Sometimes they will escape, for a while. But sooner or later, my Velik will hunt them down and, one by one, bring them to me. He jerked his hand in signal to his soldiers. Throw him in the cage. Watch him. If he escapes, each of you will die. Oh, and have the Velik fed, then release it. Let it go find me more Andalites. I wouldn't want our young Andalite to be lonely. The hork bajir grabbed me roughly. Visser Three turned his back and walked away. I had not struck. I had been face to face with my brother's killer, and I had let him walk away. Chapter 19 Cassie Zoom! I beat my fly wings and zipped under the door. The bottom edge of the door was like a ceiling to me, and then I was out. Zoom! I flew straight up. I mean, straight up. Like a rocket. Cool! I yelled to no one. Zoom! I spun around in midair and hit the ceiling with all six feet. The long claws dug into the tiny cracks in the ceiling tile. The sticky pads added extra hold. I rested upside down, hanging from the ceiling. Becoming a fly is disgustingly gross, but being a fly is excellent. I mean, nothing flies like a housefly. You can fly straight ahead, or you can suddenly shoot straight up, or you can stop and just hover. There is absolutely nothing those fly wings won't do. The best jet fighter flown by the greatest pilot ever is a big, slow, wallowing pig compared to a housefly. Tobias on his best day couldn't come close to the maneuvers a fly can do. I rested on the ceiling, directly above Chapman's head. It was maybe five feet from me down to his balding head. At least, I think it was him. Fly eyesight is hard to get used to. Very hard to get used to. Fortunately, he, or at least the guy I hoped was Chapman, had stepped in some dog dew earlier. I wasn't sure of my weird compound eyesight, but nothing can smell poop like a fly. I was locked onto the location of Chapman's shoe. There was just one problem. Chapman wasn't doing anything but looking at books. My fly brain got edgy just staying in one place, so I dropped from the ceiling, pivoted in midair, 
fired up my wings, and took a quick, wild ride around his head. Yes, it was Chapman. Almost for sure. For the next twenty minutes, I just stalked him on his slow progress through the bookstore. I zipped around him, always staying out of reach, occasionally resting on the spine of a book or rocketing back up to the ceiling. After twenty minutes or so, it was all starting to look like a pretty stupid idea. I was supposed to be looking for Rachel, who might be in some kind of trouble, and instead I was staring upside down at Chapman's scalp. Then, yes, a man and a woman were talking to Chapman. Understanding speech is difficult with the hearing flies have available. Fortunately, I had been a fly before, so I knew how to translate the vibrations the fly felt into sound. You're late, Chapman snapped. The man said, It couldn't be helped. Our job isn't easy with all this going on. Not here, Chapman said. Walk with me. He walked away and the two newcomers fell in stuff alongside him. I dropped from the ceiling and buzzed quickly after them. It was easy to keep up. I just kept Chapman's head a few feet in front of me. What was hard was hearing everything they said. Out in the mall itself, there was a din of noise. Dozens of voices, music, footsteps. It was all vibrations to my antennae and hairs. To make sense of it, I had to take a risk. I shot forward at full speed, pivoted sideways, and landed on Chapman's collar. The threads of his shirt fabric looked as big as ropes to me. It was easy to hold on, but I kept my fly instincts hyper alert in case some big human hand came reaching to swap me. I don't see why we're meeting like this, the woman said. It's a little melodramatic, isn't it? Like some stupid human spy novel. Visser 3 doesn't trust our communications lately. Visser 1 has supporters among some of our people here. Don't forget, our leader chopped these Andalites once before and they were freed by Visser 1 to embarrass us. Has that been proven? The man asked. Chapman snorted derisively. If it had been proven, Visser 1 would be screaming in the torture chambers of the Council of Thirteen. But we know it just the same. Visser 3 isn't going to let anything get in the way this time. This new creature of his, this Velik, will finish the terrorists once and for all. Velik, I thought. The enemy had a name and make a huge mess doing it, the woman grumbled. I've been running around all day trying to keep this story covered up. That's why you've been placed on the police force, Chapman said coldly. It's your job to control police investigations that could be difficult for us. There's only one of me, the woman said, not intimidated at all by Chapman's tone. Ten percent of the police force are our people, but that leaves ninety percent who are human and the humans are not complete idiots. We have witnesses talking about monsters made of dust, not tornadoes. It's the same at the newspaper, the man said. So far, the story is under control. People believe the tornado nonsense. But you have to tell Visser 3 to... Suddenly, I was swung wildly around. I released the collar and flew upward. Chapman had stopped, jerked around, and grabbed the man's arm. Chapman had his face an inch from the man's face. Tell Visser 3? Tell Visser 3? No one tells Visser 3. People who tell the Visser something he doesn't want to hear end up cut off from Kondrona rays, slowly starving, dying inside their hosts. With the rationing of Kondrona rays since the bandits destroyed the Earth-based Kondrona, the Visser has been looking for excuses to eliminate hungry Yurks. Now, if you want to go tell the Visser not to use his Velik, you go right ahead. 
He released the man and they all started walking again. Velik, the woman grumbled. Do we have to rely on such things to track down a handful of Andalite terrorists? Yes, Chapman said. And be glad the visitor has his morph hunter. It distracts him from asking why you haven't caught the Andalites. You'd better hope this dust creature succeeds. The pressure is building on the visitor to clean up this mess on Earth. There is talk that he may be demoted to Visser 4, even 5. If Visser 3 loses rank because of your failure, take my advice. Kill yourselves. Don't wait for the Visser to do it for you. The two newcomers fell silent after that. Chapman gave them some instructions, mostly to just stick to the tornado story no matter what happened. He told them humans were fools who would believe any sort of nonsense, and if any witnesses became too troublesome, they should be eliminated or made into controllers. It was a chilling conversation to hear, and there was nothing in it about Rachel. But just the same, I had learned something important. The Velik was a tool of Visser 3's, and he had called it a Morph Hunter. It was time to head back to the little bathroom in Demorph. I needed to talk to Jake and the others, immediately. Morph Hunter. It had struck Marco and Axe when they were demorphing in the basement of Darlene's house, it had almost killed them. Had it succeeded with Rachel? Chapter 20 Rachel I think the pain would have killed me if I had been human. But I was not just human. I was the bear. And because of the bear's strength, I held on. My front paws were gone, chewed off by the terrible dust monster. Blood was everywhere. I could not walk like a bear, but I could wallow along on two legs till I had gotten far enough away from the terrifying creature. I found a stream no more than a foot deep and three feet wide. I sank down into the water and tried to change. I didn't know if I could. I didn't know how I'd become the bear, so I wasn't sure if I could become human again. And if I did, what about my hands? Did this terrible injury to my bare body mean my human hands would be gone too? Rachel. That's what the other creature had called me. The creature that had looked like a deer and a scorpion and a boy. He'd made no sound, but I had heard his voice in my head. He'd called me Rachel. Was I Rachel? I focused on becoming human again, but all the time I braced myself for pain beyond endurance. I lay on my side in the stream. Cold water bubbled and rushed around me. I kept the stumps of my paws in the numbing water. And slowly, I grew smaller. Smaller and weaker. I held the bloody stumps up so I could see them. I would have cried if I had human tears. Fingers. Human fingers were growing from the gore. My hands grew back. The carpet of rough fur was replaced by skin and the black fabric of my leotard. Massive bare legs became my own human limbs. My sense of smell grew weak, and my sense of sight grew strong. I stood up, shaky, weak, but no longer in pain. And what was strange was that the scratches and scrapes I'd gotten from walking barefoot through the woods were gone. I was renewed. I looked fearfully around for the dust beast, but saw nothing. It was growing dark. Would the darkness protect me, or would it help my enemy? I looked closer, searching for the alien who knew my name. Alien? The word stuck in my mind. Yes, 
Yes, that creature could not have come from Earth. I knew that. Those memories were still intact. I didn't know whether I knew the alien, or whether he was good or evil, but he had to be an alien. Like the Dust Beast. Yes, yes, of course. The old woman ranting about yurks. They were aliens, weren't they? Flash! A construction site. Half-finished buildings all around. Heavy equipment. Dark night. A light in the sky. Something landing. Something alien. People around me. Faces. Faces I knew. What faces? I cried. But the vision was gone. Ah! I yelled in frustration. I wanted to kick something. I wanted to reach inside my own head and tear down the gray curtain that hid the truth from me. Get a grip, Rachel, I told myself. At least you know your name. And you know that you have some very weird powers. And you know you have some very serious enemies. This was not reassuring. The Dust Beast would have destroyed me. Except he'd been distracted. By the alien. Was the alien a friend? Had he been trying to help me? The answers aren't here, in the forest, I told myself. You need to get back to civilization. That's where the answers are. Back to the world. But which direction? The bear would know. He would have been able to sense it. Could I do the same? I stood very still. I listened. The wind rustled the leaves. Squirrels chattered. Things I couldn't see skittered behind bushes. Birds sang songs of love and threat. The stream chuckled over rocks and fallen branches. The stream, of course. Follow the stream, I told myself. Hello, Phantomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs auditory experience. If this outro sounds a little low energy, it's pretty late, I want to go to bed, but I need to finish putting this episode together. Been burning some midnight oil this week, it's fine, everything's fine. Alright, uh, the reason it's fine is because I got some really nice messages I want to read. Got a new review by KingSora354, titled, Super Great. I've been dying to reread this series, and having someone read it makes my workday go by so much faster. I like the voices he does for each character, even if they're a little silly sometimes. It's also way cool that Daniel does this all by himself, with directing, voicing, editing, etc. And it still comes out really good every time. Thank you so much, King Sora. That really means a lot. Uh, yeah, this is a completely one-person project as of now. Probably gonna stay that way. Um, passion of love, passion of love. I appreciate that you're enjoying it. Hi there, Daniel. This is future Daniel who's editing that outro you just did. You meant to say project of love, not passion of love. Passion of love doesn't really make any sense. Alright, back to your regularly scheduled outro. Thanks, bye-bye. I also got an anonymous message uh, over on the Tumblr, that's audiomorphscast.tumblr.com, that says... Okay, so I'm binging this podcast because, yeah, and I got to the part in episode 42 where Marco was talking about looking at Earth from the ship, and your voice acting actually made me kind of tear up. Keep up the good work, man. And thank you, I, that's actually really nice to hear that my voice acting could affect you that way. I have no formal training, I'm really just flying by the seat of my pants, but it's good material that I like a lot. So I try to put some feeling into it, and I'm glad it's coming through. 
Thank you so much. If you liked what you heard, you can hear more at audiomorphs.podbean.com, or of course by searching Audiomorphs just about freaking anywhere on the podcast internet. It should be there. Uh, Even Spotify now. We are on Spotify. It's pretty cool. If you would like to reach me, you can do that thing at the aforementioned audiomorphscast.tumblr.com or by emailing me at audiomorphscast at gmail.com. Come say hi. I'd love to hear from you. Let me just throw away a quick plug to my second podcast, OK Crusader. That's uh, shoutengine.com slash okcrusader, or just search okcrusader, again, pretty much anywhere you would search for podcasts. It should come up. It's a goofy little podcast where I get guests on, and we get random characters from the Marvel Wiki, and we discuss how dateable we find them. It's very goofy and sexually charged, and it's a good time. If that sounds like something you'd enjoy, please go check it out. Another labor of love of mine. Okay, that's all I have for you this week. I really need to shower and hit the hay, so I will see you all next week. My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight. Hey Mike, what are you doing? I was just thinking about this idea for a Hook sequel with way more alcoholism and PTSD. Hey, what if we made a sequel to Space Jam, where instead of Michael Jordan playing basketball, they play Quidditch and it's with Daniel Radcliffe? What about A Bug's Life 2, but it's a heist? Or a sequel to Good Burger, where Kel is an heir to an inheritance, and he has a long-lost twin who is also played by Kel Mitchell. Also, Groundhog's Day, what if- Hold on, Madison. Why don't we put these pitches for movies that never got sequels or prequels on our podcast, The Equalizers? Oh, you mean the one we release every Monday on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and all other places podcasts are found? Yeah, that one. Ooh, and maybe sometimes we have some of our writer friends on as well to hear their wild ideas for sequels or prequels. Okay, but can you promise me no sequels with body horror, communist themes, or talk about John C. Riley's penis? I can't, and I won't. Great. Well, my Monday morning just got pretty fucking weird. All of ours have, Madison. All of ours have. Find the Equalizers podcast everywhere podcasts are found, as well on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by searching The Equalizers. That's E-Q-U-E-L-I-Z-E-R-S, like in sequel.